Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is laughing maniacally. It is one hell of a Friday, and you are watching AM to DM. Welcome to the Russian Tea Room Show. Okay, you ready? You want to limber up, buddy? <laughs> oh, I'm stretched. Oh, you're stretched? Woo, you boy. got your kicks? Let's I got to go. touch my toes a little bit. <laughs> Let's get in it. Here's the headline. President Trump directed his attorney, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress about the Moscow Tower project. Yes, the latest scoop from BuzzFeed News investigative duo Jason Leopold and Anthony Cormier is massive. Here it is. BuzzFeed uh, News announced last night that President Trump directed his longtime attorney, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress about negotiations to build a Trump Tower in Moscow, according to two federal law enforcement officials involved in an investigation of the matter. Trump also supported a plan set up by Cohen to visit Russia during the presidential campaign in order to personally meet President Vladimir Putin and jumpstart the tower negotiations. Make it happen, the sources said Trump told Cohen. Well, shit. Man. This is massive news. It is. And, and this is why. I mean, we, we see investigative stories all the time, but it, it connects some very important dots in the Mueller investigation and has huge implications for Trump. When I found out that the story was coming about an hour before it was published last night, mm -hmm. I just saw the headline and mm -hmm. the deck, what we just mm -hmm. read, and I started scream laughing, as you know I want to do, um, in my living room. <laughs> and I laughed so loud, I dropped my phone onto the coffee table and like cracked a like, little shield. You cracked your phone? Worth it would do it again. Wow, real life consequences from this report. <laughs> right out of the gate, just some IRL consequences. That's called surface journalism. That's impact. called surface. <laughs> tr truly impact. Oh my God. I liked what you did there. Yeah, no, listen, last night, usually by 10, 10 p.m., I am in bed. Mm. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm not. Yeah. I'm usually like reading a book, falling asleep. Yeah. But last night, there was some exciting stuff. I was just out with my fiance, uh -huh. and I won't lie, same thing. Got that message, looked down on it, yeah. and just could not Believe it. Yeah. It's incredible. Absolutely. I was up until midnight last night, one, because of Ariana, but also because both I was like processing this story and following the conversation on Twitter. And it was really interesting seeing people, as always, this keeps happening. Y'all got to get hip to the game. Recognize that BuzzFeed is killing the investigative reporting game. So let's take it to it the timeline. It was incredible. Let's take it to the timeline. Yeah. What's your reaction to this scoop? How did it make you feel? Let us know using the hashtag am to dm yeah, I'm totally reading Isaac's line this morning. <laughs> You're All excited. Right. I am. Enough from us, though. Let's go to Anthony Cormier right now. Anthony, good morning. What's up, fellas? Hi. Uh, always good to see you. <laughs> okay, so what exactly did President Trump tell Michael Cohen, and this is important, when? Yeah, I don't, that's a good, really good question to say. We've been trying to get, uh, we're trying to do further reporting to understand exactly the way that Mr. Trump communicated uh, this to Mr. Cohen, uh, it's our understanding that there was a personal and direct conversation. Um, but we, we're insanely curious, as you can imagine, to know, did this happen on the phone? Is it in an email? Is it, uh, it, did it happen in the White House or at the Trump, Trump Tower? It is our understanding that the special counsel's team has um, documentary evidence that backs up these claims. In fact, they had it um, before they interviewed uh, Mr. Cohen, and then Mr. Cohen comes in subsequently and uh, then affirms it to them. Okay, now listen, you see a lot of Trump surrogates out there mm. right now trying to spin this as a story that was fed to you directly by Michael Cohen, right. and they're saying he's a liar, he's out to save his own skin. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? It's fucking bullshit, man. Read the story. <laughs> Michael Cohen's not a soul. He wouldn't comment to me. Okay, if you want, I mean, you can impugn the sources, right? But just at least get them right. 
What we're talking about are two high-level law enforcement officials who are directly involved in the negotiation in, in the investigation of the Trump Tower Moscow plan. Don't, it's not Michael Cohen. That's sure. I'd love to talk to Michael Cohen. Michael, if you're out there, you know my cell phone number. Give me a call. But at the moment, these are people who are directly read in to the intimate details of a plan. Right. I know this is a loaded topic for Cohen, but like, turn on your geotag. You know how to find us, Cohen. But real, has he commented? Has he responded to the story? I know that BuzzFeed News gave Trump's team almost five hours um, notice uh, to respond to the story. So have you heard from them? Uh, We've not heard from the White House. Again, um, Sarah, if you're out there, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, We, you know, anyone who, you know, we obviously take a lot of time to sort of give people the, the, the appropriate, you know, amount of context. Um, we've not heard from White House. We've not heard on the record from the Trump Organization, although we gave them an opportunity yesterday to give us an on-the-record statement. Um, and we've, we've, uh, we've, we, I have talked to Michael Cohen, but he declined to comment. Uh, it was a 12-second conversation. His spokesperson last night um, rather cryptically uh, told other reporters that um, they, uh, at a deference to the special counsel's inquiry, they are uh, declining to comment at the moment. And that's sort of interesting to us because in the past, when Mr. Cohen has um, uh, refuted a story, and I'll I'll just use the the idea that he went to Prague, this is the story that sort of percolated for a long time. He was on Twitter in a matter of moments trying to knock that thing down, saying it absolutely didn't happen. He went on the record, his, his, um, his spokesperson went on the record. Uh, In this case, they're not, confirming or denying this, but they are saying out of deference to the special counsel, we're not going to comment. That is very important. Not denying, just Mm. declining to comment. Well, here's another detail in the story. Sources also say Trump, along with his children Ivanka and Donald Jr., received regular detailed updates about the project from Cohen, even as Trump told the public he had no business deals with Russia. Mm. Anthony, what are the possible implications of this for Ivanka and Don Jr.? Poor Tiffany. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't. I want to be really clear that uh, you know, we're Jason and I aren't in the game of speculation, and we're not accusing um, uh, Ivanka or Donald Trump Jr. of any kind of wrongdoing. All we are saying is that their involvement in this project was much deeper, uh, much more involved than than they had have previously said publicly. So, uh, you know, our sources are saying that Donald Trump Jr.'s characterization that he was only peripherally involved in this isn't exactly the full extent of it. Um, I want to be really careful about what we say that they've done, but it is it is our understanding from these sources that um, both Ivanka and um, Donald Trump Jr., uh, they had granular you know, meetings. They, they were told, this is happening, this is where we are. They, they, it's a hard sell to claim that they didn't know what the heck was going on here. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about impact. Um, just this morning, the House Intelligence Committee chairman announced uh, that the House is going to be investigating your report, the reporting you did with Jason Leopold, this scoop. So what is your thoughts? Um, is this something you expected? Well, I mean, you know, the guy lied to Congress and um, sources are telling us that they have evidence that uh, there was a conspiracy to get him to lie to Congress. And I can imagine that lawmakers are none too pleased um, that they've been lied to and that the president directed uh, this lying. So uh, we're not surprised that uh, particularly House Democrats, who seem to be newly invigorated, um, are are hot on this. Uh, 
And I'm, I'm curious to know what happens when he shows up. Michael Cohen is, is due to, to testify before Congress on February 7th. I mean, it's the freaking Super Bowl of, of, of you know, congressional testimony. I mean, there's going to be 140 million people watching that. I, I, I'm not certain that he'll be able to talk about um, his conversations with the special counsel, but uh, I'm certain he will get asked about it. A big day for C-SPAN. Uh, let me ask you this. Is this the first known example of Trump explicitly telling someone to lie directly about his dealings with Russia? It's the first time, to my knowledge, that he has ordered a subordinate to lie about a case that's already been uh, considered criminal, right? I think you can look at some of the New York Times' amazing early reporting on the Trump Tower meeting in June where um, it, it appears, according to their reporting and subsequent sort of matching by other news organizations, that the president, while on Air Force One, was directing his uh, employees or White House staff to craft a, a statement that was patently false. Um, so, But in this case, it's the first time that, um, the, that the president himself uh, has ordered someone to lie to Congress about a matter that is already sort of criminal, right? That that Mike has been charged and, and pleaded guilty to this. Our reporting is now saying that you know, this effort to lie, to, to mislead Congress, was at the behest directly of the president. Right. And before we let you go, um, we were wondering earlier this morning if Trump was going to, of course, tweet about this explicitly. He has. Um, in the last six minutes, he tweeted, Kevin Cork, I'm assuming on Fox News, said, don't forget, Michael Cohen has already been convicted of perjury and fraud. And as recently as this week, the Wall Street Journal has suggested that he may have stolen tens of thousands of dollars, end quote, lying to reduce his jail time. Watch his father-in-law. Um, so that is the president's reaction. What would you say to that? Did he go after the father-in-law again? Yes. Oh, Lord, man. I, I like you know, that he was I the source it, like you're going to show it to him. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, that is conduct unbecoming of the president of the United States. It's not the first time. I'm floored, to be honest with you, that he continues to go after Mr. Cohen's family. Um, these are tactics that um, you don't expect to see from the highest office in the land. Yeah. And I'll leave it. Well, Anthony Cormier, as a first-rate investigative reporter, if you were shocked, I'm shook. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, man. Thank you. Ooh. Yeah, I'm just taking a breath. I'm just going to take that. a breath. I'm just going to take a breath, a little goodness. breather. Uh, but listen, like we were saying, there was a lot of talk on the timeline about BuzzFeed last mm. night. Here's a tweet from Natasha Rothwell. If BuzzFeed takes down Trump, you all are going to take those quizzes more seriously. <laughs> mm. And BuzzFeed News reporter Brianna Sachs tweeted, Trump yells, I thought BuzzFeed just did cat videos. That poor kid mowing that lawn. Mowing that lawn. It's, a, it's a good one. Well, listen, uh, as we were saying, there's a lot of talk of it. We're joined now by BuzzFeed News Editor-in-Chief Ben Smith. Good morning, Ben. Morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks Hi for coming there. on. All right. So here's the thing. Let's get into this. Um, all investigative stories usually are announced by the editors as like bombshell story. You know, there's the boom tweet. I wanted to read you this tweet from one of our viewers, Axel. Axel tweeted um, just a few minutes ago, I've got shock fatigue. So this story just passed me by. Yeah. Got other things to worry about. Mm. That's fair. Shock fatigue sums Absolutely. up how a lot of people feel. So help people who go, how should I process this, make sense of this story? Well, there have been, as you right, as, as, as your, those readers said, just so many incremental developments in the vast set of investigations around Donald Trump. Mm. And I think people are tired of different ones for different reasons. Mm. There's a whole cluster of them where it appears that he and people around him lied about these stories around campaign finance mm -hmm. and sex. 
Okay. Um, and I think, you know, some people feel like, well, like, I mean, lying is bad, but maybe I don't totally understand what's yeah. this. And the Mueller investigation ultimately isn't, was not started about that. It was about business dealings with Russia and questions of Russian influence. What is new about this story, and I think the reason this story hits so hard is because it's about Trump allegedly directing close aid to lie about something that is really right at the heart, mm. not of the investigation and broadly of the, you know, the big question around the administration, which is what is the relationship with Russia? Mm. And, and this story comes out of another huge scoop that Anthony and Jason got months ago that Trump was in conversations, you know, well into the summer of 2016 amid the campaign about building a giant tower in Moscow and, you know, offering Vladimir Putin mm -hmm. the penthouse. Mm -hmm. That's stuff that's right at the heart of the big questions around mm -hmm. the administration. And I think we're, if, you know, if you feel that something that many other reports, including many of ours, you know, maybe feel off to the side of that, mm -hmm. this one is right at the heart of it. Mm. Right at the heart of it. Now, let's, let's contextualize it a little bit. Listen, you've been in the political news reporting game for quite some time now. How does it rank against the bombshells or the boom moments, as Saeed calls them, uh, in, in political reporting history? You know, you only know in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, I think this feels like a big deal today, and that's it. probably you see, you know, Democrats now control the House and they can do something about it, mm -hmm. which maybe was not true of Revelation six months ago. But I mean, we've certainly seen this administration brush off all sorts of things. I think you really only know months, month later mm -hmm. what the consequences of the story are going to be. This certainly feels seismic today. If they were to brush it off, what do you think that would look like? I mean, well, right now they're they're attacking us and attacking the reporters and doing and you know the facts are really bad. So they're, they're they they the president's um, the president's son, their friends on Fox News are launching ad hominem attacks on us. I mean, that's you know basically the weakest way. Yeah. You know, you're you're an old debater. That is the <laughs> last and weakest resort when you don't have anything else to say. They look desperate. They look craven. Um, not to self congratulate, but it, this is um, one of those news stories where I'm getting texts from friends who do not work in media, who do not work in news, they're like, oh, BuzzFeed, thank yeah. you. Last time it happened, it was the dossier. So is it fair to say that these two stories are maybe not peers, but in terms of impact, the story and the dossier are like big news stories? These are, yeah, these are huge news stories. These are very different stories. The mm -hmm. dossier, you know, we published, we said, here is a document, mm -hmm. we haven't verified it. Right. Today we're saying we have two great reporters spent months and months digging deeply into this who have mm -hmm. sources confirming it. I mean, this is our story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is our, yeah. Yeah. So enough self-congratulations. I know no, no, go on. former Gawker reporters <laughs> really? are rolling their eyes Please. at us right now. So I'll be <laughs> Sorry, rude guys. for a moment. Yeah. Um, as someone who was alive in the 70s. Oh, come on, I was born in 1976. Whatever. Yes, uh, how, does this, how does this compare to Watergate? There were people going, you know, uh, well, oh, this is know, just like with Nixon. When I was reading the Washington As a student Post of history. In, in 1973, <laughs> yeah, it was a glint in my parents' eye. Um, you know, I mean, I do think that when you, there's a great Slate podcast, Slow Burn, mm -hmm. sort of about yes. this. I think when you go back into that moment, it was not so clear then mm. that, oh, this is the thing, this is the last straw, this is the time. I mean, I think a lot of people thought then, as people think now, you know what, the, his president's party has rallied around him, nothing can change that. Mm -hmm. That's almost, I feel like that's conventional wisdom now, so frozen in place. Mm -hmm. Republicans love Trump, Republican legislators will never leave him. I think these things are true until they aren't, mm. and it's very unpredictable when things change. It's very unpredictable, but do you think it's a fair comparison to make? Basically, lying. Yeah, like, about would it be inappropriate for us to be drawing, beginning to draw comparisons to? No, I mean, the way the, you know, I think the way the, the, the Watergate story rolled out was partly that it got closer and closer to the president, that it was, well, his aides did bad things, but there's no way he knew about it. And then in, with Nixon's case, it became clear that he very explicitly directed the details of it and there were audio recordings. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is certainly following that trajectory toward the president. It's following that trajectory. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us this thank morning. You. Thank you guys really for having me. It. And anytime you want to 
bring me on for self-congratulations, you know? Absolutely. I'm just happy you took your backpack off, all right? Oh, that's true. He walked in with his backpack like he 10 minutes He truly ago. did. I'm glad he took it, it off. It was a rehearsal. Listen, let me do the plug. Get out of here. I want to highlight this tweet from Maris Kreisman. A little late, but I just became a BuzzFeed News member. All right, shout out to you, Maris. So if you want to help support this kind of original reporting, check out the BuzzFeed News membership program. The address is below. We'll be tweeting a link out right now. Yeah, it's pretty cool when you're like, oh, I love this reporting, go BuzzFeed, there's something you can do to act upon that feeling. All right, well, we are gonna, of course, continue to talk about how this news is going over in D.C. Mm, uh, mm. later this morning, but you'll also get to see my sit-down interview with Patrick and Alexis from Schitt's Creek. They are so pure. It's so, so wonderful. Uh, and I'm gonna chat with our U.S. Poet Laureate, Tracy K. Smith, but up next is Fire Tweets. I wanna That's hear from a poet in these troubling <laughs> times. I got questions. <laughs> All right, it's a big news day. And when it's a big news day, there are a lot of big news memes out there. And like basically a classic at this point in the meme Rock and Roll Hall mm -hmm. of Fame is that kid mowing the lawn. That little boy. And Trump kind of yelling at him. <laughs> Rachel Hate Girlfield tweeted, who is that kid mowing the lawn? Mm. And I won't lie, I would read an oral history about that. That child is in hiding now. <laughs> His family, I'm sure. He, he's been in a bunker ever since. I truly, if, if you guys know the answer, let us know. Because I almost, yeah. I'm like, is it photoshopped? Is it like... I mean, I... It doesn't... It looks I legit. I remember the day it happened, uh -huh. and, you know, the birth of the meme. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. But yeah, it's a good point. It would actually be kind of... Yeah, I just want to know more but about it. But there's so many moments like that with Trump as president where it's like, what is the story behind that? But then you just have to move on because it's like... And the internet has taken it. Speaking of which, let's get into these fire tweets. Chris Hastings tweeted, Axel Rose. Watch it bring you to your sh -na 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 knees, knees. I want to watch you bleed. <laughs> me. You know what? You actually haven't made me feel welcome in this jungle at all. <laughs> okay, so I learned a few things this morning. Yeah, Saeed apparently has never heard the song Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, I know. Which means yeah. you've missed like a lot of movies. I finally listened to Africa by Toto the other day and I was like, this song is fucked up. Anyway, I didn't know <laughs> that Axel doesn't have an E in it. Um, and I agree with you, Chris, this does not sound very welcoming. You know who's so. had a real second career as a, uh, a Twitter celeb? Who? Axel Rose. Oh, oh, right, because he was calling out someone mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay. This next tweet comes from Rebrand. I love it. Office culture is someone bringing in donuts and everyone, for some reason, refusing to take a whole donut and cutting one off three-eighths of the donut, and then at the end of the day, there's like 17 25ths of nine different donuts <laughs> left. That is, what is this? That? I just, I mean, listen, it's I'm like, guilty. Oh, I don't want to be greedy. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time, but I want to see like physics behind this. There's like quantum theory for how much of a little bit of a donut you can actually yeah. leave in one of those boxes. It's real. It's real. <laughs> Nolan tweeted, wow, you look different from when you were 11. That's fucking crazy how that works. <laughs> Okay, a little shady tweet. I won't lie, I did, I did the 10-year challenge. Did you do it? No. I did the 10-year challenge. I'm black. Y'all know I looked exactly the same 11 years ago. Oh, I have photos that would beg to disagree, sir. Okay, whatever. Well, Zara, you tweeted, I lost my wallet, broke my phone, but I feel rich when I listen to Seven Rings. Woo! Oh, we had yes, so much news, Ari. we weren't able to talk about Ariana, but... I know. Mm. You, you know we're going to take well a second we right talk now. about Ariana's song for 30 minutes. Seven gonna, rings! It's so good. She is not going to stop until everyone is broken up. 
I feel like that's everything she's doing right now is just a breakup anthem. It's like yeah. a whole album of breakup anthems. Yeah. And I've talked about this before. You know, I have this long running theory that Ariana's like all of her new songs are Christmas songs. You do say that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. You know, thank you. Next, how did this? This is literally based on what is that? Uh, My favorite things. That's a Christmas song. B- greens and da 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 da, da. yeah like the rap strings and the kittens that I, your theory continues to stand and I hate you for it let's take it to the timeline <laughs> what is your favorite thing mm. in seven rings let us know using the hashtag am to dm I like the ATM shout out oh I like it where she says something like I write my own lyrics like I write my own checks or something mm, yeah I also nice. like she's able to enunciate enough now that she can rap because, you know, it's, it's been a journey. And I've loved her since Honeymoon Avenue in two, 2012. But, you know, it used to be a little hard. And now she's, she's enunciating. Saeed Jones getting real hipster about, I've been a fan of Ariana Grande for the back. Blah, blah, blah. All right, you ready for this tweet of the day? Let's go. Tweet of the day comes from Yalda. Dropped my phone, but guess who saved it? My earphones. The ones with the wires. Mm, this yeah. it's already happening. Yeah. Listen, I love my AirPods. I'm I'm committed to them, but I feel like retro wires are like coming back. Screaming. Yeah, Isaac knows this. I've lost three. Wow, we're just gonna admit this. Yeah, why not? We admit everything else. I've lost three different pairs of AirPods at this point. I lost my last pair <laughs> in Mexico City, and and because all of you yous are out there. With that meme about like AirPods making people feel like they can pretend to be rich, I can't get any new AirPods. But I kind of I've fallen back in love with the wires. You've gone back in love with the wires. I've lost them. Speaking of rich, three AirPods losing mother. Anyways, whatever. It's a steal, one hundred and whatever. Okay, coming up, you get to see my sit down interview with Alexis and Patrick from Shit's Creek. But up next, we're going live from the district with Tarini Party. Amanda, I saw your thirsty tweet about Paul McLeod. I saw that. Not gonna read that. Hello, my queens. I am so excited to talk to two stars from one of my favorite shows and one of your favorite shows, too, Shit's Creek. We've got Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis, of course, and Noah Reed, who plays Patrick. Hey, guys. Hello. Oh, my God. Okay, let's get into this gig, children. I wanted to start with this tweet from Amy Lutkin. Uh, She tweeted, uh, the thing about Shit's Creek is how in the hell did both Alexis and David find the men of their dreams in this town with 10 men? (laughs) Okay, I'm still single. I live in New York. (laughs) I want answers, y'all. Where is Shit's Creek? How do I move there? Oh, man. You know, I wish I knew. Um, There must be something in the water because the the fellas of the creek are... Nope. You got Tim Rozon in the background, not to, you know. I know. I know. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's something to do with, like, the lack of options maybe just forces people together. I don't know. Okay. That works. I mean, and, and here's the thing. It's like season five just premiered, like lack of options. I like it's like cynical, optimist, but like season five just premiered. And I'm so glad both of your relationships are still going strong. Um, what do we get to see from the romances for both of your characters this year? Um, for Ted and Alexis, I, I feel like Alexis in season five is, is slowly coming to the realization that after calling off not one but two engagements. I forgot there was a second time. Yeah, yeah. you need to like put in a little bit more <laughs> effort. Um, like put your best foot uh-huh. forward and and kind of push yourself. She she pushes herself out of her comfort zone a little bit okay. to kind of prove to Ted that she's she's in it. I like that. Season. And that feels like an important part of her arc is like yeah. kind of growing in that way. Bettering herself yeah. in yeah. like very baby yeah. increments. <laughs> what about Patrick? Well, I feel like Patrick never really knew like how long his stint 
in Schitt's Creek was going to last. Mm. And now, with the relationship and the store at the place that they're at, he's pretty sure he's sticking around. Yeah. And uh, and there's a lot of sort of like you know that point in a relationship where you're like, okay, we're we're going to do this. I guess we're going to we're going to go for it. There's all those like little fun intimate details of like actually learning how you're gonna navigate right. how a real relationship works uh, that are fun. But I think uh, you know one of the things that I love about this season is that I get my own apartment. <gasps> I was like, did you see me like literally leaning forward? I'm not allowed to get yeah, any. murder you while you sleep. I'm gonna, oh I'm gonna be killed for this. Oh my God, we've got a new set, I love it. Well, here's the thing, you've already... <laughs> I want to ask you because you did talk about like your character Alexis kind of pushing herself and yeah she's kind of kind of earned Ted's trust a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Are we gonna get to see her sing for Ted the way Patrick is singing for Dan? <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. See, she's not gonna she, get in no, trouble after is, this no, interview. She's gonna be just fine. She's gonna be <laughs> singing at my funeral. Yeah. You're gonna, gonna get the angry text as soon as this <laughs> yeah, conversation. Yeah. Oh, it's already in. <laughs> There, there are a couple of uh, there are a couple of performances this season that I'm really excited. We've okay. both got to do something this season that yep. uh, we had to like rehearse for. Oh my gosh. I feel like a real Renaissance man now. Wow! Yeah. Um, yeah. A yeah. lot of work being being put in this year on the performance. Okay, yeah. I still can't listen to Tina Turner without tearing up. I've got to no. tell you, by the way. Incredible. I know he did a doozy on everyone. I cry so much watching this show. <laughs> I love it. It makes me feel safe and, and joyous, but I'm also, I'm like touched so often in, in unexpected ways. Is it like that when you guys are like reading the scripts? Are you, you know, surprised? Yeah. Well, I mean, the writers are so wonderful at allowing so much room for comedy, but also so much room for the, the heart mm -hmm. and the more dramatic um, parts of the episodes, but like we, people have wept at table reads. Catherine was... Yeah, it's not uncommon for there to be tears at the really? table read at all. Yeah. What made Catherine cry? I think it was... Oh, she, read, uh, she cried when um, Alexis confesses her love to Ted. Mm -hmm. um, and she had it so... She was crying festival. through us reading the scene, and then oh she God. had a scene right after. Uh -huh. And you just heard, like, there's dead silence, and then you just hear, like... <laughs> She like needed to take a minute. Oh my god! Emily, Emily, Emily also wept yeah. like a baby at the table read of the season five finale. <sighs> Man, that's not. I'm not gonna get killed for that. Don't do it. No, you don't she want would, it. She'd be the first to admit it. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ready to cry more. I, I, really I didn't know Canadians. I didn't know y'all had it in you to like make my cold New Yorker heart like <laughs> sob <laughs> the way the graduation. I little. I was like already <laughs> crying. And then Dude. the cake, and I literally just fell over sideways on the ice. She was like, I cannot. I had to pause it. I couldn't hear anything anybody was saying. Well, I cried when Catherine was singing to me. Oh, yeah. I just it's kept being like, this beautiful. is happening right now. <laughs> what is going on? Catherine O'Hara is serenading me. What's my life? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I know a lot has been said about how, like, especially with the past four seasons being on Netflix, introduced to a whole new audience. Um, how has this new audience kind of changed your life as an actor? I mean, uh, you get way more feedback, okay. I, I would say. Uh, and uh, shockingly, like, all of it has been really positive. Mm -hmm. uh, and that just sort of like, you know, I, I feel like I've done a, a lot of theater in my life, and one of the things that I miss in television is you don't get the applause. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't feel the immediate. Mm -hmm. But actually, social media, when it's working the right way, 
it does sort of okay. like does that a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it lets you know where people are at, how people are, you, the people that you're reaching, the way that they're experiencing things. We get messages all the time um, from all kinds of people all over the world saying like, thank you for, for doing this. And, and that is a really incredible thing to receive. Yeah. yeah. And, and what about you? I mean, you've mentioned, you know, you were going through a lot before you landed this role. Your house had burned down. So I think it's fair to say things yeah. have kind of changed. Things were pretty bleak <laughs> yeah. for a while. Um, yeah, it was like, it was such a weird place to start and now to be here, like, yeah, my house burned down, mm-hmm. had no money in the bank, hadn't booked a job in two years, was, had just, like, destroyed and not in a good way mm. at my very first screen test. Mm. Um, and was like, okay, the universe is really being like, hey, <laughs> maybe don't do this anymore. <laughs> um, and so I was having a really hard time wrestling with that idea. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, I got the audition. For shits. Well, thank goodness. I know it, the, we the live. world works in, we live in for mysterious. Life. <laughs> and, and this was this was a question um, someone one of my coworkers had. Did you base Alexis on specific socialites? Are there like kind of? Um, I did. I did sit myself down and watch a little bit more Kardashian stuff than I should have. Oh, um, I watched okay. some like Lindsay Lohan stuff. Okay. I watched some Olsen twins just to you know like to get the. Uh-huh. Um, the like vocal fry. I love, what I love is that makes sense now, but when I'm watching it, I'm not like she's doing an impression. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You, you're, you're a good job. You're doing. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Tell me again. And, and Patrick, something I wanted to ask you is, you know, as an out queer man, um, watching Patrick and Dan's relationship, it's it's so beautiful and still pretty rare. Uh, we, we don't see these kinds of romances given that kind of room to breathe. Yeah. We don't see a lot of bisexual characters on TV right. still. Um, and, and you mentioned um, the fan response. Is that part of, of the, the feedback you're getting? Absolutely. I think it's, yeah, uh, people seeing relationships, so the kinds of relationships that they're in mm-hmm. or hope to be in reflected on screens is so important. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I, I don't know, I felt like playing this character and the level of respect with which the writing team and Dan particularly in the sculpting of that relationship, uh, it's not really considered as a, an other relationship. Mm. It's considered as a relationship, yeah. which is exactly what it is and what it should be. So I'm, I'm just so excited to be a part of that and I think it's incredible the way that Dan and, and all of our writing team are sort of leading by example in that regard. So well done. Yeah. So I need to, like most of my gay friends were like, you know, buying dogs and I'm like, we gotta open a home goods store. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the growth. I that's the benchmark. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's the benchmark. <laughs> and then one last question for you, Annie. Uh, Alexis's hand gestures. There are so many. I feel like she has a vocabulary. <laughs> yes. Do you have some favorites? Um, well, so I think we've come to the the description mm-hmm. for her for her hands. Oh, they have names. Well, yeah, it's the uh, it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex mm-hmm. playing a piano at an old timey saloon. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what what we're what we've landed on mm-hmm. for that. Um, yeah, I've got like the, some little tap yeah. stuff going on, all with a very limp wrist. Yeah, it's always like kind of yeah. Yeah, um, and then like the, with the face in the face area, uh, I think that really started to come into play when Dan and I had been working together for a while. Because I know he just like a lot of mouth. Like whenever Patrick does something that just he's overwhelmed, that mm-hmm. mouth goes like all the way to mm-hmm. the side of his face. Yeah. yeah. So I think we both started thinking more like <laughs> along the lines of 
sibling behaviors uh-huh. and, and started kind of mimicking each yeah. other a little Literally bit. Literally share a room, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things, get, things get real in there. So, I love yeah. it. Well, thank <laughs> you for joining the show, both of you. And thank you just for the joy you bring to people. I think with everything going on in the world right now, it is no small thing to create something that makes people feel safe and joyous and, and just, it's funny. We need that. So yeah. thank you that both guys. That means a lot. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you guys. Again, Shit's Creek airs Wednesday nights on Pop TV Canada. Thank you. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Um, more AM to DM is change via the magic of TV. Welcome back. We are going live from the district with BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party. Good morning, Tarini. Good morning, guys. Ooh, it's all happening. So let's start with this tweet from AP reporter Steve Peoples. Trump spokesman Hogan Gidley repeatedly refuses to deny central allegation in BuzzFeed report that Trump instructed Cohen to lie to Congress about Russia. Quote, I'm not going to give any credence or credibility to Michael Cohen. And a Fox News host, of all people, is the one to say that was not a denial. So, uh, Tarini, what do we make of the White House's response so far? So, so far, we've seen from the White House, we've heard from members of the Trump family, including Laura Trump, we've heard from Rudy Giuliani, and all their responses are rooted in either of two things. One is to attack Michael Cohen, call him a liar, um, you know, say he's not trustworthy, or it is to attack BuzzFeed News and talk about credibility. But, you know, the point that I made was, when when you're calling all stories that are critical fake news, first off, it doesn't matter, you know, the credibility of an individual publication Although, of course, you know, we love BuzzFeed News and stand by our reporting, their, their defense just doesn't make sense. And they're not answering a basic question, which is whether or not the president directed Michael Cohen to do this. Whether or not this reporting is true. And I want to again mention what Anthony said earlier on the show. Michael Cohen is not the source for this. I'm seeing a lot of people saying that, oh, he's a liar, but he is not the source for Anthony and Jason's reporting. But okay, that's what the White House saying. Here's, oh, sorry, go ahead, Trina. So, the, I mean, the reality is it's a convenient excuse for, the, for Trump world to bring up Michael Cohen, but anyone who's actually read the story, as you pointed out, will know that it's based on law enforcement officials and not Michael Cohen. So their entire response just doesn't make sense. All right. Well, listen, that is the White House response. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the response from the Hill in Congress. Here's a tweet from our own Emma Loop. The House Intelligence Committee will investigate our report that Trump directed Cohen to lie to Congress. Mm. So, Torini, what are members of the House Intelligence Committee saying about our report? Well, we've heard from a few members of the House Intelligence Com- uh, Committee so far. Uh, they really want to get to the bottom of this. They said they'll investigate it. We heard from Adam Schiff, who is uh, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, saying that he thinks this is uh, one of the most important things to have come out uh, in the last two years related to this Russia investigation and that he will do everything in his power to get to the bottom of this. And have we heard, heard any other significant reactions from people in Congress or just in the district? 
We've also heard from the Judiciary Committees expressing interest and in also investigating this matter. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the reality is that, um, and thanks to Anthony and Jason, um, D.C. didn't get a lot of sleep last night, and everyone's been up reading this story, figuring out how to respond to it, and I'm sure we will be hearing from a lot more Democrats uh, pushing this issue and also reporters trying to get more answers out of the White House and the president's lawyers. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Just like everyone in D.C. kind of not sleeping last night. I can't pretend not to. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Tarini, another question. Um, if and when William Barr is confirmed as attorney general, because that's also happening, uh, will these allegations basically be the first issue he has to deal with? Well, I don't know if it'll be the first issue, but what we do know is based on what we saw during the confirmation hearing, Barr was pushed on the issue of obstruction of justice and how he defines it. Um, and based on his responses, it seems like this should be an issue he would want to take up and be interested in. Uh, but of course, um, you know, the president would not have nominated someone who, um, you know, like Jeff Sessions would recuse himself from the matter. Um, so it's, you know, it's unclear how he's actually going to respond to this. But based on what we heard during the, the confirmation hearing, it seems like he should be interested in this. And Isaac, I'm so glad you made the point you did just a couple of minutes ago. Rachel Hill Grofield tweeted, oh, Michael Cohen is not the source. That's absolutely right. Don't let people confuse you. Michael Cohen had nothing to do with this reporting, has not spoken to Jason Leopold and Anthony Cormier. This is coming from different sources. Talk to Anthony for 12 seconds to basically be like, uh, no comment. <laughs> okay, but listen, there is other other things going on in the world, if you can really? believe it. In and can you believe other things happened yesterday? Here's a tweet from CNN's Caitlin Collins. If you thought this shutdown was close to being over, the House Speaker suggested the President cancel his address to Congress, and he responded by inviting her to fly commercial into a war zone. Uh, Tarini, this was of course before the big news from last night, but we've got these dueling letters. What happened with Trump's letter to Pelosi yesterday? Right. So the president put out this letter basically saying that Nancy Pelosi and other members of Congress could not go on their congressional delegation to Afghanistan as they had planned uh, on doing. They were getting ready to leave when this this letter came out. Um, this letter was a, a the White House says it's not a response to Nancy Pelosi's letter, basically calling for the president to delay the State of the Union or give it in writing. Um, but it's clear that the president was um, not happy with Pelosi's action and this was his move. Um, there, you know, the White House uh, tried to sort of spin this as, you know, the, there's a shutdown going on. We want to negotiate with Nancy Pelosi, and it was important for her uh, to be in Washington. Okay, and I, I did uh, want to ask, I saw earlier this morning, I retweeted a story, I can't remember the news outlet, it's on my timeline, um, but I saw that, for example, uh, because of the shutdown's um, extension, um, domestic violence shelters are being shut down and being closed um, because they don't have the funding they need at this point. And, and so I don't want to forget the real life stakes um, and the impact it's having on people's life. Do we have any updates on the shutdown? I mean, we're going into a weekend. That's right. I mean, uh, you brought up a very good point. The the reality is that the, this partial shutdown is uh, really taking a toll on people. Um, it is dragging on, and uh, there is still no clear end in sight. Uh, you know, beyond these sort of petty back and forths that we've seen from the president and the the speaker of the house, um, there really is not any effort at this point to come uh, to sit at a table and really negotiate and figure out how to how to end this sh partial shutdown. 
Right. And I'm guessing they're not working through the weekend. They're not working through the weekend. And that story is from Glamour Magazine. I'm going to retweet it right now. Tarini, as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. All right, friends, up next, I'm so excited to talk to U.S. Poet Laureate Tracy K. Smith. Her podcast is awesome. Here's a quote from Eric Silver. Even if you don't think you are interested in poetry, a podcast that asks you to spend a few minutes sitting in thought is good for the mind and the body. Uh, that tweet is about The Slowdown, a new podcast from the current U.S. Poet Laureate, Tracy K. Smith. She joins me now for Poets Hotline. Good morning, Tracy. Morning. How are you? I am good. Um, listen, so this podcast is so needed and wonderful. Uh, the Slowdown is five minutes long each episode. You open with, you know, kind of I thought of like a brevity, like a, a mini essay, um, you know, on a certain theme. And then you read one beautiful poem that connects to it. Um, the format seems key to why it, it, it is so special. How did you come up with this format? Well, I was thinking about how brief five minutes is, and I wanted to imagine there might be a way to open up the emotional space that a speaker, a reader might appreciate um, where a poem could then enter and land. So I talk a little bit about something that seems relevant to me to what the poem is speaking to. Maybe it's an event in the world, or maybe it's just an event from a life that a, a listener um, might find familiar. Right. One one episode I listened to this morning, you were talking about Ada Limon's poem, The Raincoat, and just the, the sense, you know, we often have in our 20s or maybe our early 30s where we just feel overwhelmed and, and aware that like, oh my God, am I on my own now? And, and kind of thinking through that. And it just, ooh, it got to me. So for people who go like, ah, oh, poetry or oh, podcast, sell it to people. Um, what can we gain from having more poetry in our daily lives? Well, we live at such a fast clip. And I think the downside of that is sometimes we don't go too far beneath the surface of a thought or an idea. And poetry is something that urges us to slow down and think deeply, to move past initial reactions and dig into actual feeling. And I feel like um, it's a necessary antidote to the way that we live our lives it's something that brings us into closer contact with what I like to think of as our real selves. And I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. Um, you've been U.S. Poet Laureate since uh, 2017, you know, onto this April. And I got to ask you, what is it like being the Poet Laureate when we have a president who uh, doesn't read books? Let's just say that. You know, I feel like it is a good time for poetry. <laughs> there's so much uncertainty. There's so much anxiety. And there's this prevailing notion that we live in um, a divided nation and poetry is this amazing thing because it brings us to a place where we're willing to listen to other voices we're willing to admit that we're vulnerable sometimes and I think that that's the first step to feeling like we're really members of something together I think people that I've met on the road have been so eager to connect to one another and to be honest about their lives and their questions and their fears. And I don't know that talking about something like policy would have gotten us to that place. Mm. A poem is a safe space to be honest. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. Um, well, speaking of that sense of uh, collective experience, yesterday uh, the beloved poet Mary Oliver passed away, and I know she meant so much to so many people. Um, she, she was actually trending on Twitter, which was you know a, a beautiful way to see her reach. Uh, did Mary Oliver mean a lot to you as a poet? I love her poems that teach me to look deeply at the natural world and to find something within it that makes me feel more capable of being human, makes me feel more capable of admitting to the feelings of vulnerability or pain or loss or um, even accidental joy that comes with being alive. Um, I love the beautiful rigor and what I think of as the quiet, um, the quiet authority of her poems. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and speaking of quiet. She's a poet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go on. Oh no, that's all. Oh, sorry, you broke up for a second there. Um, but but speaking of, of that quiet authority that I agree, like is so associated with Mary Oliver's work, I think that resonates with your work as well. And I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, everything going on in the world today, technology and news is very fast paced. I think things are very loud. Um, how do you find that quiet? How do you sit down and, and do the work amidst all of this? I try and turn things off when I can. It's hard to do that. But I think it's important to say there's a voice inside that is equally urgent, although it's not screaming and yelling for my attention. Um, when I have a question, when I feel upset and agitated, and it might be very tempting to look at my phone and see if I could find an outlet for those feelings or some source of consolation, um, sometimes I'll say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to think. I'm going to listen to what, you know, what's going on inside or I'm going to pick up a book of poems, something that comes from another time period and another another perspective. I'm going to see what that, that might do to help me make sense of, of what I'm dealing with. Absolutely. Well, I certainly appreciate it. And you have made me so proud. Thank you for being our U.S. Poet Laureate, Tracy. Oh, thank you. All right, friends. Again, new episodes of The Slowdown are available weekdays on all platforms and on select public radio stations. Again, it's just five minutes and it felt like getting some good fresh air. So treat yourself to that. All right. Up next, uh, Isaac is going to talk to Draymond Cooper, who you definitely want to go follow. You know, the pink foods get your life. <laughs> The Grio tweeted, Lee Daniels has a new project in the works about a gay superhero named Superbitch. DC native Draymond Cooper has been tapped to play the lead. Draymond is this week's Follow Friday, and he joins me now. Good morning, Draymond. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. I love your shirt. Uh, I wanted to start here. When did you decide to become a superhero? Um, I would have to say sometime last year is when it came to my mind and my thoughts, but I brought it, I brought it to life this year. I'm sorry. Hello, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. They just were showing videos of you doing your thing, man. And it was just incredible. So you wanted to bring it to life this year. What inspired you? Um, I've. Uh, the backstory is me going through like bullying when I was in middle school and high school. So I decided, you know, I would make a superhero that's been through, you know, like bullying and stuff. So that's what inspired me to make the superhero. 
Okay, so a background in bullying that now kind of fights against bullying. Why did you choose the name Super Bitch? Um, it was kind of a funny. <laughs> so, um, I chose the name Super Bitch is because I am super. You know, like my moves are super. I can do anything. And the bitch part, I don't know why. Because you're a bitch to me, I can be a bitch to you now. Because that's why. Yes! Goddamn right. Because you are, man. Your moves are incredible. You move in such a beautiful and authoritative and in gorgeous, gorgeous way. Always in high heels. How did you learn to do that? I've been, I'm self-taught. First off, I'm self-taught. And I've been flipping since I was about five years old. So, you know, I've been, I also vote. That's where the hills came from because I am in the ballroom scene. So when I got in the hills, I started to flip in the hills. So I'm really self-taught at everything I do. So I've been um, knowing how to do acrobatics for a very long time. Do you remember your first flip in a pair of heels where you pulled it off? Do you remember what that moment felt like? It felt amazing to know that I can do something like that. I'm sorry. I'm so in love. I'm so in love. And I want to try to, you got any tips? If I was to try and do, you can't see me right now, but man, let me tell you, I'm not somebody that looks like I do flips. Uh, If I was to try and do flips in high heels, like, would you have any recommendations? Um, you have to have a lot of balance because, you know, the heels, it can be tricky. So you have to have a lot of balance and you want to just watch your surroundings <laughs> because you can fall in. You can fall into any crack. The heel can break at any given time, you know. So you want to make sure you have balance. That's the most important part. Just make sure you have balance. Balance and maybe a second pair of high heels. Well, listen, most of your yeah. they like to work in obscurity. Why did you decide to film your rescues? Can you um say that again? Like, why did you ex- why did you decide to film your your rescues? A lot of superheroes, you know, I'm thinking Batman. They like to to work in the shadows, but not you. You are out. You are loud. You are bright, and you film it and you put it online. Why did you decide to film? Um, because I knew that it would connect with a lot of people on a personal level. So I decided to to film it in the daytime and to film it, you know, open. So because I know that it would um, connect with a lot of people. So that's why I was doing that. That's why I did it. Because you knew we were going to start cheering you on. What was it like to have your video all of a sudden go heck of viral? It was amazing. And it was exciting, actually. My initial thought when I first posted a video before it went viral was, okay, I know people are going to like it, but I don't... I know my followers are going to like it, but I've never seen it going viral. I never seen it coming. So it was kind of shocking too. So it was like a mixed feelings of shock. I was shocked. I was amazed and I was excited. Shock, amazement and excitement. Did you get any loving messages? Do you have any that, 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 that when you kind of knew it was taking off, did anyone just kind of share their joy with you? Yes. Someone actually told me that I helped them through depression. And that really got to me. 
because if I can help you through depression, then maybe I should keep making my videos because, you know, I want to make everybody happy, make everybody smile and, you know, make the world a better place for people. You are making me smile left, right, up, down. You're making me so oh, happy. Thank you. A lot of joy to people that are watching the show right now. Can you tell us real quick before we let you go, anything about the Lee Daniels superhero film you are set to star in? Um, me and Lee Daniels actually talk business and we're, I'm letting Lee Daniels, you know, take control. I'm letting him brainstorm and think before, you know, we can get into this whole thing. But yeah, we are talking business. So that's all. I just wanted, I wanted to be a surprise, but we are talking business and we are going to work on a project. You are like, no spoilers. If you have any more questions, talk to my manager. I got to say, Trayvon, I, when that hits theaters, I will buy 100 tickets. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. Thank you for joining us. Congratulations. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You are incredible. Everyone, follow Trayvon right now if you don't already. Also known as, of course, Super Bitch on Twitter and Instagram. He's got incredible kick-ass videos like the ones we just saw. Up next, Saeed and I are going to read some of your tweets. I'm not going to try to flip Welcome back. What a morning. You're not going to do a flip? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to rehearse a couple times, all right? You can't just bring it out of the gate. Appreciate but maybe on that. Monday, maybe after oh, a long okay. weekend. All right. all right, let's keep talking, though, about the Cohen news. Everybody else's <sighs> Blazion FMA, you tweeted, they dumped Rob Ben out there? Oh, this is serious. And that is actually a very fair point. When, when Ben is on set, that means something's you know, going down. going down. <laughs> it is, it, I mean, it's really cool. Uh, of course, I am so proud uh, to be at BuzzFeed News. I'm so proud of my coworkers, um, Jason and Anthony, Heidi Blake, their investigations editor, just doing incredible work again and again and again and again. Um, but yeah, it's also cool to be like, so, editor-in-chief, tell us things. Help us understand. <laughs> and here's the thing, I, like, just so you guys know this, it's not like we sit here with Ben and rehearse that segment. Mm -hmm. We literally just call him to set and we ask him the questions that we genuinely yeah. have, which is really nice. Like, it's I won't fun. lie. It's a, it's a perk it's of the fun. job. That's cool. Uh, Tanya Melendez had this to say about Cohen. Regarding the Michael Cohen testimony coming up, this is the freaking Super Bowl of congressional testimony. I cannot wait. Yeah. That's what I'm talking C-SPAN's going to be start charging. Man. You're going to have to start paying. I it. hope it happens, because I know there's been a little back and forth and everything. Right. If it's going to be on February 7th or not. But I like mm. the idea. You know, C-SPAN becomes a streaming service. Gets into the streaming wars. <laughs> they know what they got. Uh, we also asked what your favorite thing in Seven Rings. Shout out to Ariana is. Mm. Sam Allen says, receipts looking like phone numbers oh. had me shook. Absolutely. Ooh. I also I had to think about that for a second because you know I'm not good at math, but I see I have <laughs> significance. A lot of seven, digits. a lot of numbers, a lot of numbers. I like yeah. that. Yeah, she is, also, it, is it seven digits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people add a one. There's all sorts of things. Nine digits. Y'all, I don't even know how many digits are in a damn phone number. Okay, Amanda <laughs> had this to say about my sit down with Alexis and Patrick from Shit's Creek. God, they were so wonderful. Mm. Annie Murphy just called Shit's Creek the Creek. Like it is Dawson's, and then I wondered, is Ted the Pacey of sitcoms? <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair question. I really, I hadn't put Amanda, those two together. Amanda, you've been pretty funny. Really funny tweets with me this There's morning. a lot of creeks going on there. Do you see, here's the thing, I have yet to start watching I know. it, although of course I'm going to. Is, is there a creek? Is there, there is. There is? There is. All right. I don't, 
I, I don't know if I've seen it on the show. It appears on the town sign. Got it's it. It's very funny. Got it, got it, got yeah. it. Well, I'm looking forward to saying that. <laughs> well, listen, thank you to all of our guests. Anthony Comier, I think a lot of people are thanking you today. Ben Smith, Tarini Party, Annie Murphy, Noah Reed, Tracy K. Smith. What a beautiful conversation that was. And our follow Friday, Draymond <sighs> Cooper. Go follow him on Twitter right now. He's amazing. I got my whole life. It's really cool to see queer people celebrated mm. on a show like this. Well, mm. next week, we got some cool people too. Derek Waters and Amber. Ruffin from Drunk History, Patty Jenkins. Ah, what a wonderful woman! And Golden Brooks from Girlfriends, Oscar winner Marsha Gay Harden. Next week is like a a very that's like all the gay queens are like, look at We are excited. (laughs) Listen, we'll be back here on Monday at 10 a.m. Enjoy your weekend. You deserve it. Enjoy your Friday. Good luck out there. Have fun, Trump.